A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My face was a mess and no one could save it but you It's strange what skin care will make all the honeys do I never dreamed that I'd cream up my neck like you I never dreamed that I'd keep my fringe fresh like you No, I don't want to listen to Scream only comes in a jar No, I don't want to listen to Scream only comes in a jar Natch Welcome everybody to Natchbute. I am in a New York state of mind. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I watch too much Sex and the City, but I'm in a New York state of mind today. Welcome to Natchbute. I am Jackie J, the host of this show. And I'm also known as the Beauty Talk Shock Jack, your queen of creams, the host with the most serums, the freshest fringe on the West Coast, your favorite over 30 niche influencer, kooky southern aunt. Welcome to Nashville. If this is your first episode, hello, and I'm so appreciative that you're joining me today. If it's not your first episode, oh my God, thank you so much for coming back. The podcast space is extremely competitive. Okay, I know that. So I'm grateful that you have returned. Every episode of Nashville, I have a guest. And I have a really fun guest today that I'm very excited about. We've actually never met in person. But our husbands are dear childhood friends. So, dear childhood friends, our husbands. And I'm saying husband as we record this, I'm not technically married yet, but I will be soon, so I'm counting it. So, our husbands are really close friends, but we have a lot in common. And she lives in New York, born and raised. She's a hustler, honey. And she is just a veritable encyclopedia of knowledge in her area of expertise, which we're going to get into. My guest is a writer. 
She is a author, cookbook author. She is a self-taught chef, which is very impressive because I am a home cook as well. She is a gluten-free chef. She is a culinary instructor, a recipe developer, a wellness blogger. She is also a Hashimoto's advocate and speaker, which I have Hashimoto's, so that is exciting. And she has a new book that just came out. It is called SIBO Made Simple. And it says, Healing Recipes and Practical Strategies to Rebalance Your Gut for Good. I have been reading this book since I got it a couple weeks ago. And honey, it is so thorough and thoughtful. And we're going to talk all about her work. We're going to talk about her expertise. We're going to talk about beauty. We're going to talk about our guts. We're going to talk about everything. Please welcome Phoebe Lapine. Welcome to Natch Butte, Phoebe. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to this intro, I feel like, since we set up the recording. I've been most excited for it. Well, I hope it lived up to your expectations. It really did. And I love the term husby. I'm going to use that. Yeah, I don't know. I've never used it, but it just felt right. Yeah. Oh, deaf. And our husbies were little, little tiny boys playing together. <laughs> Isn't that so sweet? Yeah, I think my husby was actually a big boy. He <laughs> matured oh. early, apparently. <laughs> oh, you know what? Everyone's on their own path. Everyone's on their own path. But it's still beautiful. I mean, Ben is Ben loves his friends so much and he talks so fondly of your husband. I mean, Aww. he's just it's he's one of his like dearest long I don't have any friends. I sort of like reinvented <laughs> myself like a phoenix from the ashes and like, you know, moved on, but I love that Ben isn't like that, you know? Well, I think it's a guy thing, too, to a certain extent. Like, I think, like, loyalty mm. kind of stands in for, like, deep vulnerability a lot of the time yep. in male yep. relationships. So, like, That's they've got so that true. going for them. You that know? is so true. Well, now you and I are going to be besties. Yeah. And we're going to get vulnerable. We're just going to go We're going to get there. vulnerable. Welcome to Natribute, Phoebe. <laughs> Thanks. The first question that I ask every guest that I ask every guest is, what type of skin do you have? I'm at the edge of my seat. Well, I think I used to have more mixed, but as I've aged, it's gotten drier. I would definitely mm-hmm. say I fall into the dry camp now. Fall into and the dry sensitive, camp. sensitive. Yes. Well, that's good because I don't get sensitive honeys in here very often. Really? Yeah. A lot of us, we're all dry, it seems, <laughs> these days. Dry, combo, and... You know, I'm 36. I'm in that kind of, I don't know what you would call it, but I do, I do like a lot of preventative things. Mm-hmm. So that does change everything, you know? I do all oh, kinds of shit. Yeah. yeah. Phoebe, this is a new question I've started asking guests. Do you remember the first product that you ever bought or used? Like skincare, makeup, anything? Do you remember? Okay, well, I think it has to be like a blue metallic hard candy nail Mm -hmm. polish, like before I was wearing makeup and like, I don't know, I'm sure I had a cleanser and stuff back then. But I'd say the most notable for me (laughs) is this Origins white eyeliner. I don't know who started that in the 90s, but I remember going to the store on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and buying that eyeliner. And I think it's like one of the few products in my life that I just like wore down to the bone by like just like crayoning it onto my lids every day to go to school. (laughs) Do you remember when you bought the hard candy nail polish? It came with the ring. Oh, yeah. And honestly, the ring was like a scent. 
but it yes, was worth like was the worth whole it. it was worth everything i was like i need every single one of those rings i'm gonna lose all of them but i need them totally oh to be a kid in new york you know that's actually <laughs> my next question because i've been really into new york lately because i've been watching sex in the city with my husband we've been binging it so i was wondering i don't know if you've watched the show but if you have which character are you and do you have a favorite neighborhood of new york oh i've seen every single episode multiple multiple okay, times yes. it was my favorite like i rewatched season upon season while cooking back in like oh, yeah. my deep private chefing catering days it was like perfect to have on in the background but so i think most people would assume that i'm a carry on paper mm-hmm. i'm a writer yes. i don't know if she was an only child but she certainly had only child energy and I don't I, recall her ever mentioning siblings. No, no, I don't think. But the, none of them really like got into home life. That's um, true. Miranda, we saw her sister. Exactly. And we met Charlotte's brother, Leslie. Oh, I forgot about that. Samantha fucked him. I mean, I'm in the middle of it right now, so it's fresh. <laughs> OK, so I actually think I'm a Miranda. OK, we um, love. yeah, I just, you know, she's. The perfect amount of snark and cynicism, but what I think I I have in common with her, well, I feel like I'm that role like in my friend groups for sure, but I think she's so interesting because she's so ambitious and career driven and like very much like outwardly anti all the like norm core shit that Charlotte was after her Mm -hmm. whole life, but Mm -hmm. deep down, it turns out she wanted it. Like she wanted to be a family woman. It's true. And I feel like that's something I've struggled with my whole life and now and like you know, mid thirties, I'm like, yeah, you know, like I actually really fucking love being married. (laughs) I'm telling you, you know, what's so interesting, Phoebe. I recently did an episode with a lot of my listeners and I asked them all this question and like the vast majority of the listeners on this call were all Miranda's. And I feel like growing up, we were all like, ew, I don't want to be a Miranda. I'm a Carrie. But like looking back, I'm like, no, I don't like Carrie to be honest. I actually have always, like, I've always thought I was a Miranda. Yeah, I appreciate that. You oh, were ahead of the you. trend. I'm a honey. I mean, it just turns You're out. You're a honey. It took it's me official. a while to find my people. Yeah. It's, it's official. <laughs> Do you have a favorite neighborhood of New York? You know, this is super cliche, but, you know, certain little pockets of the West Village will mm-hmm. just always be my favorite. I actually grew up on Bank Street, which is in the heart of the West Village, but back when it was like seedy in the 80s and like I'd be playing in the playground and like pick up used condom and some needles oh, maybe. God. Yeah. Mommy, look at this yeah. greasy balloon. Oh god. So, but that area, I don't know. It's it's so posh and beautiful now, but you know, it was kind of the same back then with just like more graffiti. Yeah. Hey, I love, and I hope someday I can get back to the Big Apple, honey, because I've always enjoyed my time there. Well, your husband always stays with us, so we I hope know. that he'll bring you next my time. My husband, you know, went to NYU, so he, when we're watching Sex and City, he'll be like, oh, that's bloody blonde mulberry, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he has his own Samantha days, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Is he a Samantha? I can see it. <laughs> I think he is. I think he is. We've had this discussion. I honestly think more people need to be Samantha. I agree. I was like, actually thinking, like, who says they're a Samantha? I well, have a few friends who might be a Samantha. Well, I feel like the world would be a better place if more people 
would be a Samantha. Yeah, I agree. I feel like a lot of people want to be a Samantha, but they feel, you know, she, Samantha was shamed a lot. And she's oh, honestly yeah. one of the, I mean, looking back, everybody needs to revisit the show. That's all I've got to say. She's so resilient, which is why I know I'm definitely not a Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I disagree with that. Phoebe, what's your favorite thing about yourself? And then we'll move on to your work and your expertise. Okay. I would say wit and savvy. Mm-hmm. I think those are two. It's very Miranda of you. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody listening is like, is this a fucking Sex in the City podcast, bitch? Or are we going to talk beauty? Sorry, I'm watching it right now. I'm so jealous. I need to, I'm going to start tuning in. I don't know if my husband would be down for it, but. Well, I didn't think my husband would and look where we're at, you know, (laughs) you never know. Okay, Phoebe. So catch my audience up on you. You took a shift. You sort of took your life into your own hands and educated yourself. Where were you in your life? when you decided to shift into like the wellness education culinary space and why? Okay. So you'll be excited to hear that my first job out of college was working in big corporate beauty at L'Oreal. Oh, L'Oreal. I've heard of it. So that was (laughs) not what I ever pictured myself doing with my life, but it was a super fun, great experience that like taught me some hard skills that like many, many years of liberal arts education (laughs) did not bestow upon me. So definitely worthwhile. But essentially, I was very like creatively starved. And so on the side, I started a food blog with one of my best friends from high school. And it was in like 2008. So it was kind of before the blogosphere became a thing. And because we Mm -hmm. were like so in the early throes of it and we kind of had a great niche, which was cooking for quarter lifers. So, you know, people in first apartments Mm -hmm. with limited skill, limited time, limited money because everyone's on that, you know, entry level salary. And it just took off. And I ended up getting or we ended up getting a cookbook deal and I quit that corporate job. And that's kind of when the like chapter of food began, because let me tell you, I mean, I can't live off of my book advances now and certainly couldn't split with another right. person back when I was 23. So wow. I know. have you always been a cook? Have you always like been into cooking and food? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't very good, but that was kind of our appeal and our charm, I think, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, I was always that person in like the ramshackle, like college kitchen, like attempting to like host Passover Seder and cook right. for a lot of people. Like on um, a hot plate making hero <laughs> set. Yes. <laughs> Um, good for you. You're so Jewish now, by the way. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm almost done. I'm almost there, technically. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, then I kind of just took on all these odd food jobs, as I call them, to try and make ends meet. I started catering in New York, and it was truly like trial by fire because I had no idea what I was doing. And I'd show up to these, like, super fancy apartments with, like, very difficult clients and people and have to, like, manage a staff. Like, all things I'd never done before. So I You're sort of like a Monica Geller in that regard. Yes. Not to bring in another show about New York. Yes. But she's way more like way more anal and like suited to the profession than I was. Like I was just a stressed out mess the whole time. And there was always something I forgot, like no matter what. And that Where actually might are be the true. capers. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that may even be true for like type A people it just like always happens. But like, mm-hmm. you know, five years into that part of my career, I got more comfortable with it. I was just like waiting around to see like what the thing was. 
But I think my first catering job, I literally forgot there was a salad on the menu and had to call my boyfriend at the time to like drop off 10 clamshells downstairs of arugula. (laughs) Anyway, this is like becoming a long story. But so I worked a lot of odd food jobs. And ironically, kind of around the same time that my food stories started, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, as you mentioned before, and have sadly become intimately familiar with. Mm-hmm. But first of all, I was not that into health, didn't know anything about it. And it was by my normal childhood doctor, which is kind of rare. A lot of women just wait a long time and never get diagnosed. But she, I guess, did it in her like annual panel and was like, you know, it's no big deal. It's super common. You'll just need to be on medication for the rest of your life. And yeah, so I like was enough of like a crunchy granola gal that I was like, ooh, no, like I can't be on medication like for the rest of my life, even though I took the birth control pill every single day. And so I just pretended like the conversation never happened and went on living my life. And kind of in those subsequent years of just like hustling hard in the city, like, you know, catering private chefing is a very physical job. And I swear to God, like my body aged out of it by like my mid 20s. But God, I, I can't even imagine because I get stressed out just being in New York for a few days. Like I'm just, I was just like the, the lifestyle is so stressful for literally everyone, even if you have money, but really, really stressful if you don't. Oh, yeah. And like try like hauling groceries like Mm -mm. on the subway to Mm -mm. a catering job. No, I had to bring back something from Bed Bath & Beyond and even that stressed me out. (laughs) Yeah. Just once. So anyway, it kind of took me like several years for those two plot lines to dovetail. And like in those few years, I like really wore myself into the ground. I found my rock bottom organically on my own. And eventually it manifested most of all in skin issues. So it manifested in a lot of other ways too. But I think that for things that do not impact our vanity, you can quickly normalize a lot of gut health stuff. I was basically keeled over in the fetal position every time I ate, which was a bit of a, you know, occupational hazard. I like had to stop running. I was, you know, a pretty active person. I had to stop running because I would like get a cramp within half a block, which was like not a runner's cramp. It was obviously something else in there. But eventually it was like my skin. I had perioral dermatitis for many, many years. But it was kind of this like annual thing that would just like crop up. I'd go to the dermatologist. They'd give me an antibiotic, which I'm sure wiped out my gut and just set me up for, you know, the revolving door that ensued. And it actually worked for my face. So I would just, you know, go on living my life. Then a year later, have a flare, go get another prescription. And so eventually about this like, aha, come to Jesus moment, like the medication just like full on stopped working. Like it wouldn't even work for a week. Like it just never went away. And that was kind of what made me take a step back and actually think about like, huh, this Hashimoto's business and like go see a more holistic doctor. And they put me on an elimination diet and all these supplements. And ironically, it was right before my cookbook came out, my first book, and I could like no longer eat any of the recipes in there so I was like going out on the book tour like on this strict diet it was so sad it was miserable anyway I kind of learned a little bit more about Hashimoto's in the process and that gluten and I don't really get along and a whole host of other things but that kind of started me you know like swinging from the pendulum of like conventional medicine and like not even thinking about 
food as part of that picture to like more of the holistic side, which can make you really obsessive. Like the laundry list can be super long, obviously including a lot of natch products on the Mm -hmm. personal care side. But also it was kind of like felt like at one point that basically my doctors were telling me to like throw out the entire contents of my apartment and like replace everything with like unbleached cotton and baking soda. And I don't know, I kind of like... As someone like in her mid to late 20s at the time who was still living in like a 400 square foot studio apartment, I was like, I don't have room for a trampoline. <laughs> like, where am I going to put that? <laughs> Everyone's telling me to like trampoline for my lymphatic system, all these things. Anyway, I just had to stop one day and be like, what is actually worth your time, money, and energy in this world? Because the to-do list is so long, it can't be that you have to do all of the above. So I kind of like crafted this year-long health experiment that I called the wellness project kind of off the back of um, the Gretchen Rubin book, the happiness project. And I just tried to like tackle each one of my problem areas and like kind of wellness 360 one month at a time by just boiling it down to like one or two changes and like seeing what a actually had a physical impact or B, actually like was pleasurable enough that I could just keep going with it. And so actually my second experiment was to switch everything to natural beauty products. My first one was to give up caffeine, alcohol, and sugar for a month, which is something I do periodically now, but at the time was just like very dramatic. That's a tall order. Oh, yeah. And the amazing thing is, is that my perioral dermatitis went away by the end of the month and has never come back. Wow. Which is insane. Because I didn't really do, I mean, I don't know. Everything is cumulative, but I certainly went back to drinking and eating some sugar, like a little, You're like, a little wow, bit more moderation. You're like, wow, it cured up. I'm going to have a drink to celebrate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> but no, I think it's just like giving my liver like a little reset. I think I was just like throwing so much at it. And obviously there was a lot of stress involved and I had partied, you know, I had fun. Um, mm-hmm. But like the lifestyle I was leading was just like not healthy across the board. Like I was not taking care of myself. So the wellness project like really helped me like deal with, you know, my insomnia on the sleep front, like hydration, you know, kind of got me cooking for myself. Because to be honest, like when you're cooking professionally, like you're the last person who's going to be eating a fresh home cooked meal. I was just so addicted to takeout because I was exhausted at the end of the day. And like these events were all at night. So I'd be like eating bars basically and Mm -hmm. like little canapes as my dinner and then coming home like maybe at midnight and like ordering pad thai and like eating it horizontal on the couch. So (laughs) that year I cleaned up my act and eventually wrote a book about that also called The Wellness Project. And then like Flash forward, I mean, that was kind of when I started really writing about health on my site, which I guess was back in like 2015 or so. So I had been in the blogging game for a while, but my original partner and I had gone our separate ways. And yeah, then after that book came out, I started to have some like mysterious symptoms that crept back into my life again, like mainly in the gut department. I was basically like every time I ate, like burping up a storm and, you know, kind of on the like constipation, diarrhea, like carousel. 
And that kind of is what led me to like the Wellness Project 2.0, which is this book that I just wrote about SIBO because that was what was wrong with me at the time. And it was literally something that I hadn't even really come across in my research. And I did a ton of gut health research for the other book and like basically thought I was an expert. I knew everything there was to know about gut health. And the SIBO stuff just like turned that completely on its head. So I don't want to get too nitty gritty into that. We can dive well, in if you want to. Well, yeah, that's my next question. So like you said earlier, like we normalize things that are wrong with us unless they're literally staring at us in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that is normalized is diarrhea. Oh yeah. And pain. And I had, I had a, a di- I had a bad stomach when I was little mm-hmm. and I've pretty much cured it through my diet and lifestyle and things like that. But I listen to podcasts. I hear people talking about diarrhea all the time and, oh, my stomach's all fucked up. And I'm just like, honey, you need help, you know? Yeah. So I'm not saying they have SIBO, but I had never even heard of SIBO until I met you. So tell us what that is. And if you can, tell us what it isn't. Okay. Yeah. So it's amazing. IBS, which can Mm -hmm. include, so I guess the way that physicians characterize it is either bloating, gas, diarrhea, or constipation, or a mixture, mm-hmm. or, or all of the above. Yeah. Um, and it is the most prevalent gastrointestinal diagnosis in the world. But like at the end of the day, it's a descriptor of your symptoms and not mm-hmm. like anything that's going to tell you any information. I mean, there are a few like data-backed things that you can do to lessen your symptoms, but like it's not telling you what's wrong. So this SIBO business is, first of all, it's an acronym. Some people say SIBO, some people say SIBO. Um, you but it's, say SIBO, yeah. I say SIBO, <laughs> let's go the whole thing up. I know when I said it out loud, I was like, I hope I said it right. I think that's your song. Well, oh, that no, is you have definitely to make my it song. Natchy, that but... is definitely my song. Okay, so it stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And essentially kind of one of my issues with, you know, the wellness zeitgeist is that things get like boiled down in a way that like the language is actually not serving people. And I think one of those ways is about quote unquote gut health and like mm-hmm. quote unquote good gut bacteria. So it's so trendy right now. It's, it's on very everything. trendy. It's on and tortilla I, chips. Yeah. But I have, like I think most people yeah. understand to this point that like we have bacteria in our gut and it's beneficial and we mm-hmm. want to foster it. But I don't think most people understand that A, the gut is our entire digestive system, like from mouth to butt to anus. Mm-hmm. And the microbiome that most people are talking about with all this healthy, all these healthy microbes is just in the large intestine. It's just in the colon kind of at the last leg of the labyrinth. And every other part kind of has its own separate ecosystem. But the small intestine, you're not really supposed to have any bacteria there. It's like truly not designed for it because it's where you absorb your nutrients. So if you have like other critters at the table, like they're literally eating your food and A, that's going to make you nutrient deficient, but B, it's going to cause like a host of issues in the symptom department. So you know, learning about SIBO, it's not about necessarily good versus bad bacteria. Like that's not the imbalance. It's just that it's in the wrong place. So it's too far up the intestinal tract. And kind of similar to IBS, it's what it's not is it's not a disease. It's not 
it can be a chronic condition, but it is not like a disease that you like diagnose in a blood test or a traditional sense. It's really just like a sign that something's gone wrong in the mechanics of your digestive system. Because in theory, we have all of these checks and balances and all of these antimicrobial substances that are kind of protecting against the bacteria that naturally come in through our nose and mouth and make sure that it's not going to, you know, mess up our health in general, one thing has to go wrong. But usually it's like a lot of things, which is similar to autoimmune diseases in some ways. Like we don't really know what triggers them, but a lot of practitioners will say that it's like over time you're kind of adding timber sorry, Tinder to a box. Mm -hmm. And eventually there's like a catalyst event that lights the match and burns the whole fucker down. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's true to some extent of SIBO as well. And a lot of the time that match for people is just a simple case of food poisoning, which is so crazy. It just will then kind of paralyze this nervous system wave that's responsible for like sweeping food through your small intestine. It'll just kind of paralyze it so it's not working properly and things will just linger. And obviously bacteria are opportunistic, even if they're beneficial in some places and some, you know, ratios, but they'll just take over and then they'll start to eat your food and then they'll release gas and it's not as close to an exit ramp anymore. So you get that like really uncomfortable distension from all of that gas being trapped you'll maybe burp because again that's like it's trying to get out any way possible and I don't know when I learned about this it just made so much sense to me that like oh yeah a lot of a lot of people with IBS like actually just have this issue and it's not everyone but the studies do show that over 60 percent of IBS cases are probably being caused by SIBO by this overgrowth and this is something again that I didn't know anything about until I started familiarizing myself with you and your work. So where does someone go if they want to be tested for SIBO? Because this is something that you can actually yeah. test and definitively know. You can. I will say that because of the awareness, by the way, like the awareness is just because there's still, com comparatively speaking, not that much research on it yet. There are a lot of things that have been validated, but compared to some conditions and disorders that we've known about for decades, maybe centuries, there's still a lot of work to do in the SIBO department. So you... I would recommend going to see like a functional medicine doctor or someone who's just a little bit more holistic or a naturopath. You can certainly ask your regular doctor to order you a test. Most GIs, honestly, like do not <laughs> know much about SIBO. Like my GI in New York, he's like, you know, pretty reputable guy. And he didn't even know about my podcast. And he told me that I knew more about SIBO than he did. So what makes the the testing process a little different and a little weird is that it's a breath test. It's not a stool test because that's just checking the large intestine. And, you know, it's not a blood test because, you know, you can't really check for that. So what how it works is kind of like a mad scientist experiment. But you have to kind of prep for 24 hours, eat a specific diet, then fast overnight. And then you drink a sugar solution that will like slowly, as you digest it, make its way down your intestinal tract and you're basically just blowing into a tube every 15 to 20 minutes. And then at the lab, they measure the gases in your breath. And Ew. I know the hypothesis. It's like a breathalyzer. It is. It is. And the hypothesis is the only thing that could be causing certain gases is bacteria. And so as they mark it by the increments and see kind of levels spiking or falling, they can see if, you know, you have a population of bacteria in the wrong place. 
Wow. I feel like if I did that, I'd be so worried that they'd like open up my tube and be like, whoo, somebody had enchiladas for breakfast. You know, like it would just be really stressful to think about a person like opening up a tube of my dirty, stinky breath, you know? (laughs) But I guess we have to get over that. I mean, people send their stool samples in. They don't feel weird about that. I mean, I'm sure people do, but oh, I would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you have to pee in the cup at the gynecologist's office, I'm always like, oh, I'm sorry about this. But then it's like, I hate it when you have to like put the cup like down in an area where like other people can watch. I don't want to be judged for like my my hue. One one time I opened, I opened the little door, you know, Uh and there was a full blown lab going on. Like there were people back there with like little Petri dishes and little beakers and shit. And I'm like, oh my God, I can see. They could have made eye contact with me as I put my urine up on the little ledge. It was stressful. Very stressful. Well, the breath test you can do at home, so that's nice. Oh, good. And then you never have to face the judgment, you know, face to face at least. Good to know. Oh, yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. The next thing I want to ask you about. So I don't want to like simplify your book or your work because this book is so, like I was saying, thorough. I mean, even if you don't have SIBO, there's all these other things, certain diets you might follow, keto or, or IBS in general, or just health, whatever. There's recipes in here that you have a little map at the bottom that's like, you can modify this for this ailment or what this diet. or yeah. It's just so thorough and there's just so much more to it. So I know we can't get into everything, but I wanted to ask you about FODMAP diets. Yeah, I'm so because glad you ag- asked. Because again, I didn't know what this was. I found out because my husband told me his brother follows a low FODMAP diet. Does which he I didn't really? Even, I didn't even know that. I'm like, we, we already got him one. We ordered well, him a book. There are a lot of Jewish men out there with <laughs> IBS. Let's just say that. Yeah. And women. <laughs> I mean, listen, we're Bless all doing them. our best. Exactly. Um, maybe that's why. That's how I knew I was Jewish at birth, you know? Like, yeah. Because my stomach was always Because you up. had diarrhea. Oh. That's right. Um, yeah. Because you couldn't drink milk. <laughs> yeah. I'll okay. add that to my list of things to tell the rabbi when I have my, conver- my oh, conversion. Amazing. Like, you know that meeting? I don't know if you know, but there's like a meeting. Oh, I know. Anyone yeah. who's watched Sex in the City, by the way, should know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, which I probably should know for my... But they, they sit in like a tribunal of yeah, rabbis. Yeah, it's with an M. I'm a terrible Jew, so it's like the... I maybe I'm getting know. you confused with the bath. The bath maybe begins That's with mikvah, mikvah, which I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing one. That's so fun. I'm doing one in a natural spring. Ooh! I know. That's Charlotte, cool. eat your heart out, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte went in the regular mikvah. I'm going out into the wilderness, honey. Ooh. I know. It's going to be really cold. I'm trying not to think about it. But anyway. Okay. Low FODMAP diet. So this is something that I came across when I was researching the first book and it really confused me. So it's essentially the most 
data-backed method for reducing IBS symptoms. And it is something that like more mainstream GI doctors know about and might recommend. But if you look, it's like an insane chopped mystery box of a diet. It includes tons of healthy vegetables on the no list. And more importantly, it's like when I first found out about it, I was like, huh, So the no list is the exact same as what every single microbiome scientist tells you to eat for quote unquote good gut health. How the fuck does that make sense? Right. And honestly, I like sat with that question for years and like had a chat with like a GI friend of mine. And I was like, well, don't you think it's because these people's guts are like so messed up to begin with that like they're reacting to these foods? Like taking them out can't be like, the answer. But anyway, SIBO completely, I think, answered my question about that. Because of course, if you're feeding your good or bad gut bacteria their favorite foods and they're in the wrong place, it's going to make you miserable. You can eat as many beans and like inulin-rich veggies as you want and take as many probiotics and it's probably going to make you miserable. So It's one thing that I think is like so important about SIBO awareness because I fell into this trap too. Like after the book, I was just doubling down on all that advice and like crushing kombucha and eating all my fermented foods. And ooh, yeah, you got it. Um, I know. After reading your book, I'm like, I got to stop drinking kombucha. Well, you know, if it doesn't bother you, drink away. But, you know, it was making me bloated and miserable. And I thought that the only thing – that I had to do in order to fix that was just do more. Mm -hmm. And it's just I was fueling the overgrowth. So it makes complete sense to me that for a short period of time, one of the ways to, well, for a long term if you want, but to limit symptoms when you have an overgrowth, yeah, you take away some of these foods that are creating the gas output from the bacteria when they eat it. And so that's why it's such a confusing diet and has all of these ingredients in it that you should hopefully one day reintroduce. I I get people who message me all the time who have been on this diet for like years and there's very compelling data that being on it for a long time is really not good for you. (laughs) But I do think there's something to be said for, you know, allowing your gut to kind of reset, to heal, because that gas in and of itself is really inflammatory and irritating to your gut. So chances are if you have SIBO or the overgrowth to begin with, you already have like a gut that's broken down in terms of its basic function. And, you know, that gas is only going to fuel the fire. So getting it out, going on the diet for like a healing period of like a month or two to just, you know, reset and then reintroduce the food slowly is part of kind of SIBO treatment in general. But, you know, FODMAPs aren't like allergens. They're not, they're not something that you're like allergic to necessarily long-term. It's just like poorly digested foods. Yeah. So that kind of lends itself to my next question. I feel like I have wanted to do an elimination diet for years. But I always am, like, scared because I'm like, what if I do it and I realize I can't eat my favorite foods and then that's going to make me sad. So it's sort of an overwhelming thing to think about, especially for somebody who already has such a restrictive diet, which is veganism for me. And I know there's a lot of people out there with, like, disordered eating and that can be hard. So do you have any tips for anybody? And I know you, you have some in the book, but anybody out there who... Something ain't right. Something ain't right. We're wondering Mm. what it is. We're wondering if there's something we can do in terms of our food. Like, how do we start an elimination diet for the first time without, like, overwhelming ourselves and wanting to just eat salt and vinegar chips under our desk in a ball? You know what I mean? Like, what, what do we do? 
Oh, I know, because I've done so many elimination diets <laughs> in my day. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the the idea is essentially for like an allergen elimination diet, you're removing a food for at least 21 days, which essentially gives your immune system time to die down if it's reacting to it. Okay, so, so 21 days, that's three yeah. weeks if my math is correct. Yeah, so if you think about it, like talk about normalizing symptoms. Like mm-hmm. if your immune system's like already like charged up and you're eating a food that it doesn't like every single day, you may not even know that it's going on. It may just like become your new normal. So mm-hmm. when you give it, you know, your immune system time to like call off the troops and then you reintroduce the food in like kind of a significant portion, mm-hmm. you're going to get a very acute <laughs> sign of whether that's like an okay food for you or your immune system is like charging at it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the basic idea. But a lot of these, you know, elimination diets get like wound up in all of these like crazy, you know, weight loss centric, like medical diets. Well, sorry, they're not medical diets. They become just like diet culture diets. Mm -hmm. But if that's your main goal, you can start with one ingredient. If that's easier for you than doing kind of like the typical like big guns all at once, like dairy, gluten, soy, corn, which like, you know, those are probably like the basics. If you don't want to remove all those at once, just choose one. And all you have to do is just mark a calendar and keep track. It's really not that hard. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that that's a perfect answer. I would say dairy first would be a good one. Yeah, and then gluten because I, I feel like big gluten is is always uh, he's always I around. He's I know, but around. that is hard for you as a vegan. Yeah, like, I mean, I know a lot of gluten free vegans. Uh, well, you're we're in LA. pretty GF around here. <laughs> we're pretty GF around here. I do. It's my much best. easier than it was back in the day. I mean, I right. was so terrified when I discovered gluten and I did not get along. I mean, I like. It was very hard for my career, but it's so much easier now. It's like not even a a source of pain and misery. Right. I mean, yeah, some of those gluten-free breads, they're really not that bad. Yeah, the breads are not like the best category. The pastas, the pastas are pretty good. The breads are okay. Yeah. There are some decent ones. The pastas are really... Sometimes I wonder, did I buy the wrong thing? Is this gluten? Yeah. It's really full. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I would like to ask you, how should we be, quote unquote, living dirty? Oh, this was in the book and I was intrigued. And I also feel, you know, given what's going on in the world right now, how we're all sanitizing our hands. And this is something that I've always been really mindful of. So how do we live dirty, Phoebe? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like kind of a double, not a double edged sword, but there's like two strategies. Like one, you just like don't want to be completely like sterilizing your body. Mm -hmm. So avoid antibiotics when you can. And there's a lot of over prescription of antibiotics in this country. So just engage your doctor in like a respectful conversation about whether something's like necessary or preventative and like what's the worst thing that would happen if you didn't take it. But, you know, that's kind of the big guns. Like a third of your gut bacteria gets wiped out in one course of broad spectrum antibiotics. And unfortunately, like that's all we got. There aren't very many targeted antibiotics out there. Although I will say one of the SIBO treatments is pretty targeted. So it's not one of the bad guys. So then don't sterilize your life in terms of like the hand sanitizer all the time would be my normal non-COVID piece of advice. But like to that end, I would say washing your hands with like like unscented Castile soap is like just as effective. In fact, I would 
I would say even in the COVID world, it's said to be more effective than the hand sanitizer. So like kind of getting away from the idea that these like antibacterial agents are what's keeping you healthy and safe when in reality, it's just like you can just wash your hands. Um, And then, you know, so many of us are just like power washing our vegetables. It'd be great if we all got our vegetables for places that had like actual soil on them still because I mean, I'll be honest, getting that soil off can be a real bitch. Yeah, well, don't oh my worry God. too much I about to, it. Really? Yeah. I feel like I, I like shred or like pull a lettuce like an iceberg and there's like dirt <laughs> all in there and I'm like blasting it to get it all out. You're well, saying, depending on where you got hurt? it. If you got it at the farmer's market, dirt don't hurt. Yeah. For sure. And there's like lots of healthy microbes in there that are good for your your system i mean kind of divert there's various ways to to tackle that issue but even just having diversity on your plate like diversity on your plate is going to equal diversity in your gut and then you know it's like diversity and like what you expose yourself to so like different environments like tree hugging and whatnot earthing that's all kind of the woo-woo interpretation of it but just like get out in nature and like put your hands in the freaking dirt and like wow, don't I've never wash heard, it off right away i'm a, i'm almost ashamed to admit this i've never heard of earthing oh so is that just the practice of going out and touching earth literally yes wow like people walk around barefoot and they're like i'm <gasps> earthing wow okay yeah i like shoes so yeah i don't like a barefoot outside moment just go hug a tree just lay down I, yeah touch, i'm not touch mad at that I'll hug a tree, but I don't know if I could walk around in the dirt. But listen, this is interesting. You know, this is interesting. There's a lot of compelling evidence about this kind of thing. And then, of course, it's like in cleaning up. So not being dirty, but cleaning up your personal care products. You're just eliminating a lot of the chemicals that like literally sterilize you. Actually, water filtration, I think, is a big one that not enough people take seriously because there's all that chlorine and fluoride in our water, especially for Hashi Posse people. That's an important one. But you're essentially just, you know, drinking chemicals that can ruin the delicate microbes in your gut i mean they're literally designed to keep algae out of your pool so what do you think happens when it's in your actual body so you're saying we should filter our water Uh, oh yeah most definitely Yeah. yeah and i think you know i'm so glad you pointed to this chapter of the book because it is still like that's the kind of advice that i learned when i was researching the first round and SIBO, you can get super myopic about that it's just like acute problem and forget about the bigger picture. And that's what I think a lot of people really struggle with is that in treatment and, you know, this, if you don't under, uncover your root causes, like it can become a chronic condition because you're not fixing, you know, what went wrong in your, in your digestive system in the first place. But people get so fixated on like kill, kill, kill. Like this bacteria is bad. We must kill it. But you have to have, you know, very diverse and like, prevalent bacteria in your large intestine to like have any shot at good health (laughs) i'm telling you we came from that generation of like clean 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 you know antibacterial blah 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 remember when i remember when hand sanitizer came out do you remember the Bath and Body Works hand sanitizers? Oh, they had all, yeah. And I remember we would just soak our hands in it all the time. And it's like nobody Gross. talked about gut health. Nobody talked about good bacteria. Like, no wonder I had diarrhea literally every day of my yeah. life in elementary school. Every day. 
Well, they say there are some studies that I'm going to butcher right now in the retelling, but essentially kids who grow up in a household without a dishwasher that use a sponge, mm-hmm. which, you know, like a lot of our mothers would be like, oh, my God, right. it's the filthiest thing. Like my mother-in-law is very much <laughs> like antibacterial machine. Yeah. yeah. She like won't even use a sponge. She has like a brush and it drives me nuts. But, you know, it shows in studies that those kids grow up healthier. And wow. same thing, kids who grow up in the in a house with a pet grow up healthier. Healthier because there are more types of microbes around and it's like inherently dirtier right yeah I remember when I had the founder of seed probiotics on attribute she said get a pet yeah like I was like how do I diversify my microbiome and I was like good for me my dog sleeps next to me every night so bring there it on go. there you that go stinky ass chooch you know coming <laughs> in the bed giving my microbiome some extra diversity honey <laughs> that's right you're nailing it okay well there's a ton to talk about I, i'll the last thing i'll say about just the book is that there are also just delicious recipes in here that i think you might want to check out last night i made your pad thai using <laughs> spaghetti squash and I have all, see, this is my paper I made with all the recipes I'm going to make. Oh, that's and I so great. bought all the, I bought all the ingredients for these and included one that you had on your Instagram, the carrot penne, vodka oh, penne, yeah. which I want to make. So I bought everything to make that. So this is exciting. Anybody who likes to cook and you're self-taught, which I think is so cool. So that's, that's the, and like I said, depending on what your diet is, you can modify. It's very thorough. Every single recipe at the bottom she's like oh are you vegan great cut this out add this oh you want keto add this take that out it's really helpful and anybody who likes cookbooks i think would enjoy the book i'm so glad i'm glad you noticed the dietary restriction stuff because it was like an absolute nightmare to create but i hope super useful well i'm in i live in la like every time again before times when we used to go out you know yeah i remember like i went to the playboy mansion yes honey it's a flex in 2010, I went to the Playboy Mansion for a party, and I was with my friend who is celiac, like, pinnacle celiac. Yeah. And we get there, and there's all this food and buffets, and she's like, excuse me, I need to know what here has gluten in it and what doesn't. There's literally a man on a headset. He's like, yes, we need the." And he was reciting the ingredients oh for each God. dish. So when you go to L.A. now, every dinner party you go to, there's a giant placard of what's in this, what diet is it serving, because everyone is on a different situation, yeah. you know? We're all you can't please to- everyone. Yeah, so I think it's great. That's why I wanted to bring it up. If anyone out there is on a specific diet, you most likely have that covered in here, and yeah. I appreciated that because I'm vegan, so it's hard for me to, like, know what to eat and whatever, and there are a lot of veggie recipes in here. Phoebe, we have, you know, 10-ish minutes left, <laughs> but we have more to talk about, so we might go a little over, but... Let's talk about beauty, okay? Oh, yes. Because this is Natch Beauty after all. Yes. So you switched over to all Natch products. So I would love to know, like, what you're using, what you're liking, what are kind of your faves, what have you discovered in this path you were on, you know? Well, it's crazy. I mean, the space, as you know, has just blown up. There was not a whole lot out there. There was not a single natural beauty retailer when I made my transition. So I like mainly shopped at Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. But I have to say 
the products that I first bought are still among my top favorites. That's and great. That's I can't remember if you know them or use them. The Evan Healy mm-hmm. uh, line, the lavender cleansing milk, and the blue chamomile moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Like anyone with perioral dermatitis, like head to those products. They're so nourishing and gentle that I still, you know, will buy that stuff. Yeah, I love and, Evan Healy. I use yeah. their frankincense hydrosol. Mm. And I have their blue tansy balm and I just Ooh. like shellac my life in it. Yes. You know? Yes. The blue chamomile moisturizer. I just lay on thick, especially yeah. in the winter. So because of the PD, it took me a while to be able to wear oils. Now I'm like pretty confident and they, they work for me. But my favorite line right now is Linne. It's a little bit more expensive, but truly I, I mean, I'm kind of like you, like I get sent a lot of free shit and I'm always kind of experimenting, but during like <laughs> early quarantine, I didn't have a lot with me and I used the Linne serum and it's their orange oil. They have two oils and I used it for, you know, three, four months straight till the bottle ran out and my skin has never looked better that wow. I'm just spending all my, my money on it now. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. That sounds yummy. It is yummy. And they have some great new lip balms that I love as well. I need to look that up. My lips are so fucking dry. I know. But I use the the Asiya cleansing milk, which I Mm -hmm. love now. Mm -hmm. And I love the Dr. Al-Qaedas. Al-Qaedas? Al-Qaedas. Oh, Dr. Al-Qaedas. He's got this like cellular renewal mask. That's like one of those that you add water and it smells like fresh berries on your face. And it's my favorite mask of all time. Oh, I love a berry. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think it's the cellular cellular renewal mask. I'll double check. Okay, that sounds delicious. It's great. Okay, I just saw this on your Instagram, <laughs> and I was absolutely shocked in the in a good way. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about like lifestyle items because we love those here on Ashview, and I saw you talk about your sauna blanket. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I've never MVP seen of one quarantine. of these. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this is something that everybody's going to want. And I did not know this existed. So can you kind of explain what that is? Sure. So I let me just preface this by saying like kind of the whole point of my wellness project was to like stop spending stupid money Mm -hmm. on health related things. Mm Because like, again, the space is just blooming, ballooning in that department. This sauna blanket is very expensive, And it is one of the few things that I think is absolutely worth it. Wow. Um, How much is it? It's like 500 bucks. Okay, yeah. But it's a sauna. It's a sauna, yeah. Yeah. And I will say that I'm sure my husband and I, between the two of us, because he loves doing the sauna too. You mean your husband? My husband. Yes, my (laughs) husband. (laughs) So he used to love going to the infrared too, as did I. And we probably, I mean, if each of us went five times a year – that's five hundred dollars right, right there. Right, right. So we use it like pro like a disgusting amount. Like yeah. I use it once or twice a week, as does he, and it's amazing. I mean, it's just if you like to sweat, if you like to like feel warm and cozy, it's great. A lot of people are kind of grossed out by like the sitting in your own sweat element, but I will say, and I'll, I get a lot of questions because I talk about it a lot about you know, does it smell? You know, we've had ours for like a year and a half with like, I'd say pretty hard use and Mm -hmm. it's got like a slight odor to it, but not like, 
you smell it more like when it's on and you're in it and I don't mind that like it lives under our bed and you would never walk into the room and like smell the blanket so it, for people who don't know what it looks like it's oh, yeah. literally like <laughs> a sleeping bag but it's it looks like it's made out of like thick like to me like what a bouncy house is made out of but that's just <laughs> what I saw the fo- of the photo you posted I don't know is that what it's made out of kind of like a I don't, I even don't know. know. Like, like it's got kind of like a rubbery interior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really e- easy to clean. You just like open it up and then spray it down and like wipe it clean. Yeah. Um. But then the opening is like fairly wide at the top, which I think is good because a lot of people ask me if like, do you feel claustrophobic? And like, I do feel claustrophobic yeah. like in Same. life, and it, I don't feel claustrophobic in the sauna blanket. Yeah. I mean, I might have to get one. Oh, I mean. I highly recommend. I have sold so many of these sauna blankets to friends and I don't have any unhappy customers. Yeah. Do you have a code or anything? Oh, I sure do. Oh, well, look at that. Okay, yeah. tell us the brand and tell us your code. I okay. mean, I really think the honeys would, would be interested in this because yeah, I so was. They're, they're a pod sponsor of mine, so they're higher dose mm-hmm. and my code is SIBO100 for 100 bucks off. Which I mean, significant. That's a good discount. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I I'll might have to get you my link one. to put in your show notes. No, please do. Please do. I, I, I find this interesting. I did not know that was a thing. And, you know, I like to be up on things. So I was kind of like, wow, how did I not know this exists? But it's also kind of, they, they bill it. They market really like, it's Specific. a really smart marketing scheme because they're like, you can do your cardio without moving. And like, I'm, <laughs> as a Hashi Posse person, like I need very gentle exercise. Like I haven't probably gone for that run ever since. Like I willed myself to rock bottom, just like never started again. Right. And so I, I don't know, like cardio is like too hard for me sometimes but I do love the experience of sweating of like right. you know feeling like I'm getting that detox in I'm intrigued I'm very intrigued <laughs> oh, yeah. planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, yeah. Okay, you brought up Hashi again. So as you know, I was diagnosed with that last summer and I had been having like a little bit of a hypothyroid issue for about a year and then no one had tested me and then I got my tests and my antibodies were like really high or whatever. I am not currently on thyroid medication because I was sort of, as you were discussing, I was looking towards alternatives because I know that once I start taking a synthetic thyroid, I know I will have to keep taking it and my thyroid's still working. Yeah. It's just like a little off kilter. So I'm currently taking a supplement to help that my my doctor told me I should get. Are you on thyroid medication or no? I am. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like I kind of I think had I gone on a low dose early on and or made some changes to my lifestyle because I was onto something with that. The medicine alone was not going to help me, but I didn't do anything else for many years to help myself either. So I think had I just like kind of tackled it early on, I would have 
been able to, yeah, either not go on medication or, you know, go on very little. And I'm not on very much now, but I definitely need it to, yeah. you know, to I'm, calibrate. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to try it. I think it might be time. And I really I think don't think, you know, I... It's funny. As a 22-year-old, I mean, I was so dumb and naive in many ways. I had the right idea that, like, the medication alone does not do anything for the autoimmune component. Like, Mm -hmm. for the autoimmune component, you need lifestyle changes. Right. But I think that, you know, when you're deficient in anything, be it a hormone that's essential for, like (laughs) – many functions in the body or a specific nutrient so many other things go awry as a consequence of that and then you really do just kind of like grind yourself into a hole that's hard Mm -hmm. to crawl out from so I really don't think that medication is you know a cop-out or a failure of in any yes, way. I like agree. I think it's a necessary crutch for a lot of people and if you catch your Hashimoto's or, or thyroid issue early like go on the medication but also in, like investigate some of the diet stuff and live your life in more of an anti-inflammatory way and see if the combination can help you you know get right. out of that hole. Right. We love. Great <laughs> advice. Uh, I was going to ask you I just watched your Insta story this morning about supplements. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I noticed, or you had like a TikTok about it. Yeah. And the first one you know, you put up was a D3 plus K2. Mm-hmm. And honey, I don't know if you know this, between Ben and I, we basically have a pharmacy in our kitchen. Oh, great. And I noticed I had one of those. Oh, yeah. I've never opened it. Oh, I've never <laughs> opened it. This is a company called Solar Ray. Oh, I know it. And they sent me these. Great. They were like, hey, we're going to send you some immune boosting things. I said, thank you. And I have some other, I already had some other stuff. Tell me why I need to be taking this. Yeah. So most people don't realize, but vitamin D is a hormone. It's not a vitamin. Oh, Um, interesting. So it's very necessary. And it's honestly, there needs to be more education around it because you can mistake it. Um, Mm -hmm. Essentially, vitamin D is melatonin's opposite. So it's one of the reasons why it's so important to get sunshine first thing in the morning to like regulate your sleep cycles. And that's how you naturally get vitamin D, although certain types of years, some places you're not going to get enough naturally. Um, So if you're taking vitamin D, you want to take it in the morning because otherwise you're again going to kind of like dysregulate that natural Wow. Okay. Good to know. Because I feel like I've been taking it in the afternoon. Just I need to get on a schedule (laughs) with these damn pills. Okay. You've already changed my life there. Great. Yeah. No. So and actually consistency really matters. And the same thing too on the other end, if melatonin is something you want to naturally experiment for sleep, it's not like an ambient. Like you take it the same time every night to like rewire your natural rhythm, not to like knock yourself out. Yeah. Um, so same thing with vitamin D, but vitamin D is amazing. And there's actually a lot of good evidence about it being protective for COVID or maybe potentially one of the reasons why certain people have really bad outcomes is because they're very vitamin D deficient. And then um, what's K2? So that helps you absorb the vitamin D. Oh. Um, so that's why they're usually served in combo with one another. But if you have leaky gut, which a lot of people with SIBO do, and you know, a lot of people with autoimmune diseases generally do, and a lot of us do just like because we live in the modern world, vitamin D does have good efficacy for healing that as well. Do you think I have leaky gut? I don't know. I mean, most people with autoimmune disease like could stand to like take some supplements like to heal their gut or to, you know, drink some veggie broth, bone broth, what have you with some collagen in it to help. I mean, I've known I've had some kind of hormonal imbalance. Like I just know there's something going on there. And when I read your book, I was like, well, I have an estrogen 
What is it? Estrogen heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was reading your book and just sitting in front of my computer, like Googling. I'm like, that's me. I have that. I have that. I don't know if I do, but I'm getting it all figured out. That's, that's all in the works. I think you're doing great. Thank you. you. Give yourself some credit. Thank you. I mean, you know, the Hashi's thing was a real blow and, and that's why I think it's important that we cross paths because you are a sort of an advocate for for this to be taken seriously. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, don't end up like me. I'm a cautionary tale and then, you know, maybe an inspiring one. But ultimately, the beginning was a cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want all the honeys out there. I know there's so many people who are like silently suffering. Yeah. Especially with things that are not like obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, you break your arm, you put a cast on it. But if your stomach hurts and you're tired all the time or things like that, it's hard sometimes. You can't find a doctor to take you seriously or give you the test you want or whatever. So yeah. any of my honeys out there suffering, Phoebe and I see you. Mm-hmm. We see you. And that's why I really wanted to have you on. I mean, the the first page of your book, you dedicated the book to chronically ill crew. Yeah, And I think that's... Chronically ill people, a lot of times they feel really isolated and they're like, I feel like society doesn't take me seriously and I'm in pain and I'm, and I want, so shout out to the honeys out there that are feeling not great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to get too current eventy, but there was this amazing article in New York Times Magazine last week about, or this past weekend about, um, the COVID long haulers. Oh, I listened to the whole episode. Oh, but, you know, it made me really hopeful. I was like crying in bed reading it next to mm-hmm. my husband. Yeah. And because, you know, we're lucky in some ways that this spotlight is being shone on like this huge population of people who are then, because people are paying attention and considering some of the mysteries of science right now, which I think there's a certain subset of scientists who just think that something doesn't exist until you can prove it. Right. Um, you know, these kind of out of control, long-term immune issues that are stemming from COVID are really similar to what a lot of people with chronic illness face. They still haven't figured out the similarities, but I'm really hopeful that there's going to be better resources and a lot more money dedicated to finding answers for a lot of these people. And it'll definitely have a huge halo effect for Hashi Posse people too. Yeah. Well, if there's a silver lining, I guess I that's know. it. I know. It sucks. I'm like, so many people are hurting, but honestly, like, just as many people were already hurting from the same things, but people didn't take it seriously. Right. Well, we see you, honeys. Yeah. The last two things. I'm adding a new segment to Natch Butte for 2021. It's called the cream of the week. <laughs> Great. And this is something, Phoebe, that you love in your life that you just want to rub all over you. It can be a real thing. It can be a physical thing, an emotional thing. Like, just what is the cream of the week for you? Something that you're loving right now that you want to just open up and spread all over your life and uh, love. What is the cream of the week? If you'd like me to go first, I will. No, no, I, I have it. Oh, I let's, have it. let's go. What is it? So it's the Great British Baking Show. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was late to the party. but I still is... have not gone there because I'm like, I don't need another thing. You know no, what I mean? Jackie. Okay. You need it. 
Okay. It's honestly the happiest. It's been the happiest part of my past year. Yeah. I'm so devastated that I'm out of episodes and seasons. But like, I just want to drape myself in like all the tray bakes and I don't even know, meat pies, veg pies, just ran like I all love of their a savory puds. pie. Yeah, I just want their puds. I want it all. I want to just yeah. like drape myself in like the good cheer and congeniality and camaraderie of this competition show. I mean, okay, I'm sold. I finally <laughs> watched the Bridgerton pilot because I just kept oh. hearing about it. And I'm like, great, now I have to watch this. You know, I, there's, I couldn't great... get past episode one. So, Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't do it. There were a couple things that annoyed me, but we won't get into it. We I won't don't... do it. We, yeah. So my cream of the week is this candle. <gasps> Ooh. This candle is so... So there's this company called Tyler Candle Company. And I thought I had stumbled upon like a cool secret when I got this because <laughs> my sister got me for this. And it's from Tyler, Texas, which is a small town, you know, semi-close to where I'm from. But then I talked about this on another podcast and everybody was like, oh, I know Tyler. I've got Tyler. Well, but this candle is called Bless Your Heart. Which is one of my favorite phrases as a Southern person. So this candle is called Bless Your Heart. It's pink. And I light it every time I podcast. And it, it, I realize it's not lit right now. But I love this candle. I want it lit all the time. I want it to just follow me around. I love it. That's I'm my advice. i one. Everybody <laughs> light a candle. You know, it, enjoy your life and really just, you know, live a little. Light a candle. I love it. You know what? Light one. Light a candle and live your damn life. That's my cream of the week. Okay, last thing, Phoebe. The last thing I'm going to ask you is tell us where to find your book. But the second to last, you've actually already seen my wedding registry, and I believe you got me something. I maybe the sawtooth. I don't remember. Mm -mm. I can just tell you. No, don't save it. (laughs) But but you are a chef. You're a home chef. Was there anything on the registry that you were like, honey, why don't you have this? Like, I've been asking this to all my guests. What do I need to add to my registry? What is like your most favorite used kitchen item that you think people might not know about? Okay. Well, I didn't pay that much attention. I scrolled okay, through fair. until I saw something that spoke to me that okay, I knew we love. you had to have, which mm-hmm. I won't tell you what it is. Okay. Um, you'll find out. Can't wait. But I would say, you know, they're not like fancy jazzy items but sheet pans can't mm-hmm. have enough sheet pans like yes. good half sheet pans i need more to be honest because the one yeah. i have is like old yeah we love our sill pats for them which are these silicon yes like protective sheets that replace that's, parchment paper that's on my registry oh good good and i told my friend yesterday on zoom she was like what do i what do you want me to get you i go get me the damn silicone pad yeah. because nobody has and i want it yeah. So good to know. I know. See, I try and keep things really, really basic. So like these are all kind of obvious things, but like a really good 12 to 15 inch cast iron skillet, yep. like a monster cast iron skillet. Yeah. Is that I what you thought me? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have one. Well, I got you the, the Le Creuset one. <gasps> Which is great, but yeah. I would tell you to get like the down and dirty cheap lodge one that's yeah. a little bit bigger in addition. Yeah. I mean, maybe I should get it. I just love Le Creuset. I'm a what can yeah. I say? No, no, keep you keep that one. Yeah. But I would say in addition, just get one of the big old 
southern aunt was. Okay. Yeah. So you say <laughs> from aunt. Lodge. Ben says aunt too. Oh, I say aunt. aunt. Oh yeah, aunt. 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 Does hu- does your husband say aunt? I don't pay that much attention. <laughs> I have no idea. Fair. Fair. <laughs> It's just so interesting because I'm like, Ben, you're from D.C. Like, why do you say aunt? I don't know. I don't. There's no rhyme or reason to anything. Okay. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to if I think of something else, I'll get back to you. No, that's a great answer. You you reaffirmed what I was already thinking, which is I need these silicone mats. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I saw that on there. Zola recommended to me and I was like, oh, shit. You know how much parchment paper I use? You know, I'll also say and you may already own this. Well, obviously, you want a really good blender. Um, yes. Oh, that's Vitamix tiny. is not the only name in the game. But, oh, interesting. You know, I, I have one. There are other yeah. great brands, too, though. Yeah. But a mini Cuisinart, they're called mini preps. They're like mm-hmm. one quart, just like a little dicer. They're not great for like smoothies or anything, but like for small dressings and things like that. The Vitamix is honestly not ideal for. Yeah. Like, I don't use my large food processor hardly ever, but I use the little mini $35 mini prep all the time. Is it the one with just one button, the pulse button? Yeah. Okay, I used to have one of those, and I broke it a long time ago. They don't last forever. (laughs) They're $35. Right, okay, because I have a big Cuisinart on my registry. Because I don't have a food processor. The last one I had was that one. I use the Vitamix, use but it's not like ideal. Twice a year. Yeah. But okay. Interesting. The mini prep you'll use. Do you use, more use it often. when you make latkes? Um, I don't. I hand grate, man. Okay. Yeah. I'm I, a masochist. That's a, the Jew in me. Well, I I hand grated because I didn't have one, mm. but I watched all the people. There's a guy on Instagram named Jake Cohen. He's super cute. Oh, he's the best. I know yeah. him. You know him. Yeah. So part of my conversion was like finding things in Judaism that I connect with. Oh, and Jake and Cohen's of, it? Well, the cooking. <laughs> I like the cooking and, you know, but I love him. He doesn't cook a lot of vegan stuff, but his lot, because I literally like studied like the Torah, Ooh. his his latka process. And he uses a food processor. And I was like, well, I have to get the food processor well, to make the latkas. Any non-masochist would yeah. use a food processor. Right. To me, though, I am so ungadgety. It's more annoying for me to get out all the pieces set to it use up and it clean than it to and... grate my nails and fingers yeah. off. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Thank you for my present. You'll be getting a thank you note, obviously. (laughs) Phoebe, please tell us, where can everybody get SIBO Made Simple? Where can we all follow you on the internet? Where can we find your blog? Just tell us everything. Oh, I will. Um, Well, hopefully you can find the book wherever books are sold. But if you want to find specific links to retailers, you can go to SIBOMadeSimple.com and... For like the early birds, I'm extending my pre-order bonus, which is this fun gut heal boot camp. It's like a five-day email sequence to help you just get on your feet and a fun little Facebook community with a lot of people with invisible illnesses. It's a very happy place, and there are a lot of people who are just like, I'm the only one in my family, my friend group, who you know <laughs> gets this much diarrhea from eating everyday things. Yeah. <laughs> fun. <laughs> so yeah, it's a happy, supportive place. And then my site is feedmephoebe.com, where you can find lots of free recipes and just like some nitty-gritty intro posts to SIBO if you want to learn more. And then I have a podcast, SIBO Made Simple, as well on, you know, your favorite podcasting app where you get your Natch Butte. There you go. So if you're really, if you're if you're like it me listening to this interview, you have a whole podcast now that you can go check out. <laughs> Phoebe, yeah. 
This has been a delight. Thank you again. So fun. I'm going to make, I made your pad thai. Tonight I'm going to make the spinach mashed potatoes. Oh. Now I'm going to use the ghee. I'm going to make the marinated kale with fennel and parsnips. Oh, that's I already a have. good one. And the French green bean salad. Mm, that's one of my favorites. I, Those three sides, I did a class for like, I think it was around Thanksgiving, a sides class with those exact three recipes. <gasps> they complement each other. We had the best feast afterwards. With oh, those wow. Three. Well, I'm pro- I mean, if I pull it off, I might make all three tonight. Go for it. Why not, baby? I'll send you pics. Thank you yeah. again, Phoebe, for everything. And uh, let's go watch Sex in the City with our husbands. Yeah. Miranda's for life. Miranda's for life. Well, I'm a Charlotte, honey. <laughs> Oh, of course you are. Yes, which I didn't know. I was a Charlotte. Listen. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. This episode was so fun. Everything will be on Nashview.com, all the links, all the products we discussed. And don't forget that you deserve to be happy. Yeah, I'm talking to you. And I'm especially talking to honeys out there with invisible illness. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to find whatever will make you feel better and make you feel like your best self. And that goes along with happiness is taking care of yourself. So I believe you. I want to help you find what's wrong. Phoebe does too. So we're sending you our love. Don't forget you deserve to be happy. Yeah, I'm talking to you. And don't forget to cream that neck and keep your fringe fresh. Miss Phoebe, do you cream your neck? I do. And you remind me. You're in my ear every time I do it. That is my goal in life. You're to doing infiltrate everybody's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> when they stare at themselves in the mirror. I cream my boobs sometimes. <gasps> yeah, why not? Why not? Cream your yeah. tits. Keep your fringe <laughs> fresh. I might add that on. <laughs> you never know. 